and welcome back to my channel, Freedom by Faith Ministries. Again, I'm Pamela Noel, Dr. Noel, and we are continuing our talk, our teaching on COVID. And as you remember, um, we're going to be talking about COVID, but these verses can apply to any illness. Um, so any sickness that we're suffering, um, these verses are applicable. And so I made it about COVID just because that's you know what everybody's talking about nowadays. But I wanted to do a teaching about why is it that so many Christians, you know, despite the verses that we see in scripture that by his stripes, for example, we are healed. Um, why is it that some patients, some people just don't get healed? And so I'm not going to claim to have all the answers. All I can, you know, teach you is what I've experienced in my own life in terms of sickness and also in the lives of the patients that I've, uh, that I've taken care of over the years that a lot of the times the sicknesses that we deal with are purely spiritual, not always, um, but believe there's always an answer in scripture. We just have to search for them, right? So the Bible says to search the scriptures. That is where the truth lies. Heavenly Father, we thank you again, Lord, for bringing us together. Today, we ask you, Holy Spirit, to be present in this moment. We ask you, God, to take over, to take control of this talk, this teaching, and allow me to be used only as a vessel where you can speak to your children to impart whatever knowledge, understanding, and wisdom you would like for us to have today. So we thank you, God. And for those who are watching or ill, Lord, we ask that maybe these teachings will open up their eyes to see the truth, the revelation of um, exactly your desire for them to be healed in the name of Jesus. So we're going to... Um, pick back up where we left off the last time we spoke about humility and what is the connection between humility and sickness, right? Or humility and health, I should say, or rebellion and sickness. So we're going to look at that in today's talk. So we're going to start again. Um, where we left off was Psalm 25 verses eight to 15. And it says, the Lord is good and does what is right he shows the proper path to those who go astray. He leads the humble in doing right, teaching them his way. The Lord leads with unfailing love and faithfulness all who keep his covenant and obey his demands. For the honor of your name, O Lord, forgive my many, many sins. Who are those who fear the Lord, he will show them the path they should choose. They will live in prosperity and their children will inherit the land. The Lord is a friend to those who fear him. He teaches them his covenant. My eyes are always on the Lord for he rescues me from the traps of my enemies. And so we spoke at length about this passage, so I'm not going to say a whole lot about it today, but it's important to remember that God, the Holy Spirit is our teacher and he teaches only those who are humble before God, right? It doesn't say God teaches Christians who go to church every Sunday, right? He says he teaches specifically those who are humble before him and fear him, right? And so when you fear God and you live according to his will and you're doing what God says, like you're forgiving your enemies, you're blessing those who hate you, you're giving, right? You're putting others ahead of you, right? Those kinds of things. Um, and so when God says something and you're obedient to it, more knowledge will be given to you, right? 
And so it's important to remember that God only gives knowledge to those who are obedient to him. And so in in the area of health and healing, the revelation that we have from the Holy Spirit about healing comes to those who are humble before him. Right. And so so many people, I believe, suffer unnecessarily. And a lot of times it's because of stubbornness. Right. We don't like to hear that. Right. God heals everyone. That's what we that's what we say. God heals everyone. Right. But the Bible is very clear. Right. That God blesses and heals those who are obedient to him. And so we're going to look at that. This may not be something that you've ever heard of before or in agreement with, because it doesn't sound politically correct to think that God only heals some people. Right. But we see the evidence. So let's not um, deceive ourselves to think like, you know, God heals everyone, but there's so many sick people around us. Right. So there's a reason for that. Right. So God is sovereign. He's perfect. He's the truth. Right. And so there's, there's, reasons for why some people can't get healed. And I'm not going to say I know all the reasons because I do not, but I can tell in my experience, I can tell when I'm not feeling well and I can think back, the Holy Spirit will reveal to me exactly where the problem is. And when I do it, I get healed, right? Or if it's my you know, one of my children or a patient who's suffering through something. And if I talk with them and kind of get a little bit of background story about, the, you know, with the patient, um, if it's a Christian, obviously, I don't do this with everyone. Um, usually there's a reason behind the person's um, barrier to healing, right? I can remember, I'll give you one example of a friend of mine. She's a friend of mine now, but I met her as a patient. Um, she came in with all kinds of different syndromes that don't seem to be connected with each other, right? Brain fog, migraines, arthritis, just all kinds of different issues in her body and she would go to different doctors, different doctors, and nobody could figure out, you know, what was wrong with her. And so finally she, she took a blood test that was abnormal and they thought, oh, maybe it's an infection. So they sent her to me and I looked at her blood work. I'm like, well, it's not really consistent with that infection. Um, but then she kept talking and talking and she's been sick for two, three years and going to different doctors and she's just so desperate and she's just hoping and hoping, you know, an antibiotic might be the answer. And I knew in my spirit, it was a spiritual thing, right? So whenever a person has different syndromes in their bodies and you can't come up with one diagnosis that fits everything, it typically means it's a demonic thing, right? And so I felt in my spirit, it was probably a demonic attack, but I just kind of let, let her talk, let her talk, trying to get more information out of her. And then she mentioned, oh, I go to church. My pastors are praying for me and this and that. And so then I realized, okay, so maybe, and this has happened many times before, maybe God sent her here for the answer, right? So, you know, I spoke with her and finally I said, you know, I'd like to pray for you. And so I prayed for her and I rebuked that demonic spirit of crippling, right? Because there's a, a passage, which we're not going to go into, where Jesus is in the temple and he cast a demonic spirit of crippling from a lady who was crippled for, I think it was 12 years. Um, and so I did that and right away she felt better, right? So she felt less pain. And then we became friends later on and the arthritis came back, right? And so she's telling me that she was at her, uh, she went to visit a friend who's a Christian, but goes to see psychics, right? So she's going to a friend who, to see, who sees psychics and she felt uneasy being around that friend all of a sudden, right? And so the Holy Spirit is telling her, you, you should not be hanging around people who practice witchcraft, right? And we know that. And so when she came home, right, she flew, I, I believe it was New York, I believe. Um, so she came back home and the migraines, arthritis, all, all the symptoms came back, 
right? And so this is a demonstration that this is not a medical problem in that situation. It was spiritual, right? So God tells us to have nothing to do with people who practice witchcraft and psychics, right? That is the realm of witchcraft and we should not have anything to do with darkness, right? So if you're a child under the light, you're in the light, right? You have nothing to do with darkness, right? Jesus told the disciples, the enemy's on his way, but he and I have nothing in common with one another. So he's not worried about what the devil's going to do to him because God, Jesus is the light, right? So we are the children of the light. We must not have associations with darkness. And so I asked her to repent of that as a sin that she felt in her. There's something wrong with me being around her for some reason, right? So she felt it in her. So the Holy Spirit is telling her, you should not be in the same car as somebody who's practicing witchcraft, right? Who's under the authority of darkness, right? And so all kinds of demonic attack came against her because of her association with darkness, right? And so people don't see a connection between the two, but the Bible is very clear, right? So there comes a curse upon those who practice witchcraft and anyone who associates with, with witchcraft. And so she repented that, as a sin, it has no longer associated with that person. And we prayed and rebuked the demonic spirit of migraines, crippling, the tormenting demons that are attacking her because of her sin of associating with witchcraft. And she was healed again, right? So these are just some, this is just one example of why is it so important to humble ourselves before the Lord? Because only God can reveal that to you, right? You cannot go to a doctor and have this kind of information given to you. It it requires walking with God for God to reveal these things to you, right? And so a lot of sicknesses come from the spiritual realm. It's not really a medical problem, but only the Holy Spirit can teach us that if you're humble enough to receive that information and do something with it, right? So God gives us information so that we would act upon it and obey, right? And so why is it so important to um, fight with prayer and not rebellion? Right. And so our natural tendency when we're under attack is to get angry, bitter, complain, which are all sinful. And the Bible says to do everything without complaining or arguing. Right. So that is, in a sense, an act of rebellion. Right. So when we're in opposition or there's some trial that we're going through or we're in troubles, we're going through troubling times our natural tendency is actually to sin against God or rebel, right? And that in and of itself can open up the doorway for illnesses or mental torment, right? And so if you can remember, and we're not going to go through all these verses just for, for timekeeping, that when, when um, King Saul was uh, in a battle, and God had instructed him to basically destroy everything, including the king, all of the animals, destroy everything. And King Saul took the best of you know everything and, and he left the king alive and he destroyed everything else. And he said, oh, but I destroyed everything else. So that should be good enough. Right. So that was sinful. That was that was an act of rebellion. And if you read the story, God sent a demonic spirit, right? Depression, anxiety, fear fell upon Saul because of his rebellion. So I know this is about COVID, right? But we're talking about just illness in general. So he suffered depression, anxiety, and fear because of his, because of his rebellion against God, right? So sometimes, and not every time, sometimes mental illness can be a direct a consequence of rebellion, 
right? But if you don't understand that, you're not going to know to repent of your sin and to go to God for healing, right? So Jesus said that I came that you might repent of your sin, right? Jesus came that we might repent of our sin. And so we need to repent of our sins. Right. And there's another passage that says, confess your sins to one another that you may be healed. Right. And so sometimes there are sicknesses that won't be healed because we were not confessing our sins. But the only way to know that sin and sickness are tied together is for the Holy Spirit to reveal that to you through the word of God. Right. But if you're not obeying the word of God, like when it comes to forgiving, when it comes to giving, when it comes to um, being humble. Right. Why would God reveal more things to you that you're just not going to obey anyway? Right. And so sometimes we don't have this revelation of why am I sick? Why am I not being healed? Because we don't have a relationship with God where we're humbling ourselves and obeying the verses that we do know. Why? Why would God give you more information about your sickness when you've disobeyed the verses that you actually know? Right. And so there's a verse that says, if you know to, what to do and you don't do it, that's sin. Right. So there's one thing to sin in ignorance, but to to be, but to actually deliberately rebel against God's word, right? And then to expect God to reveal to you, why am I sick all of a sudden? Why am I not being healed? That won't happen, right? So we must live a life of obedience and submission and humility towards God. So we know that the penalty for sin is death, decay and death. So we're going to take a look at <clears throat> First Samuel. We mentioned King Saul. Um, so we're going to look at first Samuel 15 and we're going to start with one to 11. We're not going to read the whole chapter, but we just want to take a quick look at, you know, why did King Saul suffer from depression, anxiety, and fear, right? And so in today's day and age, we see more and more of depression, more suicide, right? We're seeing reports of celebrities who just seem happy. They have everything, their beauty, fame, right? They have popularity and all the money that you can ever imagine. And people that you would never expect are killing themselves. Like, why does that happen? Right? And so mental illness is a very serious disorder in this country. And we're seeing more and more of it. And children are killing themselves, each other, you know, all the violence, all the things that are going on, the paranoia, the anxiety, fear, um, anger in the, in the, lives of the people of this nation and you scratch your head like what changed like what happened right and so we're a nation that's moving more and more away from God right we're rebelling more and more away from God we're making laws that are displeasing to the Lord right but if you're not a believer or even if you are a Christian but you don't see things in a spiritual manner right because everything in this world is spiritual before it's natural right and so there's a spiritual reason for everything so when somebody who seems like they have everything that King Saul had everything. He was a very wealthy king, right? And he ended up killing himself in that battle. And so we're going to take a look at his life and see exactly where the switch happened, right? So he was a very successful, powerful, um, um, not only wealthy, but also um, handsome king who had basically everything that he wanted. And then he ended up killing himself. And so we see that today, the famous, or not even just famous people, just people in general that are suffering anxiety, fear, depression, and suicide is going up. And so let's take a look at First Samuel to see, um, is it possible that some mental illness, not every, not every mental illness, but some mental illness can actually be tied to rebellion and sin. 
<clears throat> so let's go to 1 Samuel. One day Samuel said to Saul, it was the Lord who told me to anoint you as king of his people Israel. Now listen to this message from the Lord. This is what the Lord of heaven's armies has declared. I have decided to settle accounts with the nation of Amalek for opposing Israel when they came from Egypt. Now go and completely destroy the entire Amalekite nation, men, women, children, babies, cattle, sheep, goats, camels, and donkeys. So Saul mobilized his army at Telam. There were 200,000 soldiers from Israel and 10,000 men from Judah. Then Saul and his army went to a town of the Amalekites and lay in wait in the valley. Saul sent this warning to the Kenites, move away from where the Amalekites live or you will die with them. For you showed kindness to all the people of Israel when they came up from Egypt. So the Kenites packed up and left. Then Saul slaughtered the Amalekites from Avila all the way to Shur, east of Egypt. He captured Agag, the Amalekite king, but completely destroyed everyone else. So he captured the king, but he did not kill him like he did every, everyone else, as God has instructed him to do. So he actually kept the king alive. Saul and his men spared Agag's life and kept the best of the sheep and goats, the cattle, the fat calves, the lambs, everything, in fact, that appealed to them. They destroyed only what was worthless or of poor quality, which was not the direction that God gave him. The instruction was to destroy absolutely everything and everyone. And King Saul kept the best of everything for himself and killed everything else. And then the Lord said to Samuel, I am sorry that I ever made King Saul, um, that I ever made Saul king, for he has not been loyal to me and has refused to obey my command. Samuel was so deeply moved when he heard this that he cried out to the Lord all night. And so God was very, um, disappointed that King Saul had not followed his instruction as he had given him, right? So the instructions were to destroy everything and King Saul didn't do that. It's basically like Adam and Eve, right? The penalty for sin is death, right? So Adam and Eve did not die right away, right? But they had, but they were separated from God, right? So death doesn't necessarily mean naturally it could, right? Separation from God definitely will lead to natural death, but Death also, if you look at it from a spiritual perspective, is separation from God, right? Um, there's a passage where Paul talks about what, you know, when we were all born in sin, separated from God, right? But we were made alive because of our relationship with him now. And so life comes from our relationship with God, not just physical living, but death is a separation from God. So, so he said the day you'll eat of this, of this uh, tree, you will surely die. That day you eat of it. Right. But they didn't die that day. They were separated from God that day. And so we're going to look at the consequence of rebellion against God. So in the same chapter, verses 20 to 23, it says, but I did obey the Lord. This is King Saul talking. Right. So he's justifying his actions. Right. We know God says to destroy everything. And he says, but I did obey the Lord. Saul ins insisted. I carried out the mission he gave me. I brought back King Agag, but, but I destroyed everyone else. Then my troops brought in the best of the sheep, goats, cattle, and plunder to sacrifice to the Lord 
your God in Gilgal. But Samuel replied, this is the prophet of God. What is more pleasing to the Lord, your burnt offerings and sacrifices or your obedience to his voice? Listen, obedience is better than sacrifice and submission is better than offering the fat of rams. Rebellion is as sinful as witchcraft, right? So we spoke about earlier that there's a curse that comes upon people who practice witchcraft, right? And so when you're rebelling against God, when you're doing the exact opposite of God's instructions in the word, that is an act of witchcraft, right? Rebellion is as sinful as witchcraft. So the way that God deals with people who practice witchcraft, right? That's, that might be very hard to take, but this is what we just read, right? So we're going to believe the word of God is the truth and we're going to allow God, the Holy Spirit to speak truth to us. We're not going to make up what we think sounds right, right? So even if you're not technically practicing witchcraft, but when we're rebelling against God, the consequences that fall upon the people that practice witchcraft is the same for the people that are in rebellion against God, right? So when the word of God says something to give, to forgive, to, um, to be humble and we refuse, right? To do everything without arguing or, um, without complaining or arguing. And we love to complain and argue, right? That is an act of rebellion against God. And the consequences are the same as for people who practice witchcraft, right? And so he's saying here, the prophet Samuel um, is telling King Saul that even though you kind of half obey God, that's an act of rebellion and is as sinful as witchcraft and stubbornness as bad as worshiping idols. Right. And so the first commandment, we must love the Lord our God and we must not serve any other gods. Right. That is an abomination to God to worship other gods. And here it's saying stubbornness is just as bad. Right. And so so we don't think of ourselves as Christians, as witchcraft practitioners. We don't think of ourselves as idol worshipers. But in the eyes of God, right, in the eyes of God, when we are stubborn towards the word of God, we have an excuse for why it's OK to sin you know, in this situation, right? This person came against me and they're lying about me. God will understand why I'm angry and bitter and won't forgive them. Right. That is an act of rebellion and stubbornness. And it's just like witchcraft and worshiping idols to God. Right. And it says, so because you have rejected the command of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. Right. And so even though King Saul continued to remain king in the eyes of God, in the courts of heaven, it's been decided he's no longer the king. Right. So you may still be a child of God and you're going to church every Sunday and you still call yourself a Christian. Right. But in the eyes of God, he says, I have now rejected you as king. So that's a very harsh words to take in. Right. But only if we know the truth can we be delivered from some of our sicknesses and sufferings. Right. And so we're going to move to First um, Samuel 16, verse 14. So now God has changed his mind about King Saul and he's going to anoint David. David will become the next king. In the next chapter, verse 14, now the spirit of the Lord had left Saul and the Lord sent a tormenting spirit that filled him with depression and fear. Right. And so we're not going to go through the whole um, book of first Samuel. But later on, you know, when when, you know, King Saul 
you know, started becoming tormented, David had to start playing music to quiet those demons, right? He became very anxious and he was running after David for many years. You know, he was very paranoid and jealous of David. And in the next battle, he actually went into a, um, I believe it was some sort of witch to actually wake Samuel up to get revelation from Samuel because God was no longer in communication with King Saul. So he was basically left to himself, right? There's a battle that's going to happen. King Saul has no instructions from God. God has wants nothing to do with him. He's being tormented by demons in his mind, you know, and eventually he killed himself in the battle, right? And so he went to some sort of witch to wake uh, prophet Samuel up in which we, we believe that was probably a familiar spirit, right? Because we don't wake up from the dead. Um, so he was talking to Samuel, which I'm pretty sure it wasn't. Um, but it just shows you the downfall of King Saul, right? He had a close relationship with God. The Holy spirit was with him and then the spirit left him and in came demonic spirits of torment in his mind. And then he eventually killed himself in the battle. Right. And so his rebellion led to actual witchcraft. Right. Because he went to, to speak to a witch to wake Samuel up. So that is witchcraft. Right. And so rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft and his rebellion actually led to witchcraft. Right. But before he was even actually practicing witchcraft. Right. He was being tormented by demons because of his rebellion. Right. So in today's world, we would just call that anxiety. We would call that depression. We have all kinds of medical terms for sin. Right. And I'm not saying everyone who suffers depression or anxiety or fear um, is necessarily living outside of God's will. But when I speak to people who suffer from depression, when I speak to people who are suicidal. Right. And I know in my own life, when I was 17 years old, um, when I was a teenager, I, will, I was very suicidal. I was very depressed and anxious and paranoid. You know, everybody's out to get me. Everybody's trying to hurt me. I had those kinds of feelings. And thankfully, before I even saw a psychiatrist, I started to read the Bible and to obey God. And I never knew the two were related to one another. But it wasn't until I started to develop a relationship with God that all of these depression anxiety, fear, suicidal thoughts go away. It wasn't until years later that I, did I, you know, did I realize or did God reveal to me that your depression as a child was because you were separated from me. Right. And so the spirit of God left Saul and the demonic spirits of anxiety, fear, depression came in. Right. And so that is a, a demonstration that God can send demonic spirits to torment those who are in rebellion against him. Right. And so in King Saul, it manifests as a mental illness, but it could be physical il uh, illness as well. Right. We saw in many examples when Israel was rebelling against God, God himself was sending down plagues. Right. He was cursing them with plagues and they were sick and dying. And that was an act of God's judgment for the rebellion and witchcraft against him. Right. So let's take a look at Ephesians 2. Verses 1 to 3. It says, once you were dead, so I mentioned this before. So we were literally born dead in a sinful world, right? So you were born dead, right? So Paul is saying, once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, you used to live in sin. So living in sin is death, right? You used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander 
of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of you used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of your sinful nature. By our very nature, we're subject to God's anger, just like everyone else, right? So living in sin is to be dead, to be separated from God, right? And he says, because of our very sinful nature, we were subject to God's anger, right? And so we don't like to hear that, that maybe sin is an act of judgment upon God's part for rebellion and sin against him, right? We don't like to hear that, but it's very clear, right? So we saw an example of that in Old Testament, and Paul is telling this us this again in New Testament, right? So we know that our disobedience to God makes us subject to his anger, right? And so Saul rebelled against God. God was angry with him and he sent demonic spirits to torment his mind, right? And so we saw that again with um, King Nebuchadnezzar, that he was after the three boys had been sent to the fiery uh, furnace because they would not worship him as God, right? And then the three boys, they were let out of the fiery furnace they were safe, right? Because God was with them the entire time because God was with them. Notice that because God was with them, right? There's a fourth man in that fiery furnace. And we know that was Jesus, right? So they had, they had God with them in the furnace and they were safe. They did not die. And the people who threw them in, who did not even go in the furnace, you read the story, it's very um, profound, right? The people, the men that threw them in the fiery furnace, they got burnt right? They were, they died, right? But the, but the boys, the three boys, right? Shagrash, Meshach, and Abednego, they were safe because God was with them, right? But King Nebuchadnezzar, God was not with him, right? So he was sent into the wilderness, right? He was a madman. In today's world, we might call that schizophrenia maybe, but he was, he was acting like a madman, right? So I believe that was an act of judgment on God's part because of his sin, because of his pride, right? And so it is important to know that if we want to live a life of blessing, of health, right? Prosperity, we must remain with God, which requires obedience to him. Let's take a look at Galatians 6, verses 7 and 8. One of my favorite passages that I meditate on a lot is Galatians 6. But these are things I struggle with myself you know, trying to remain obedient to God and, you know, and being consistent. You know, sometimes we want to, we want to obey God to a certain extent. And it's like, well, maybe it's not such a big deal, you know? So I kind of have to train myself to not think that way, right? Adam and Eve, their sin was they ate a piece of fruit, right? So who would think eating a piece of fruit would be sinful or a big deal? But God thought it was, right? So it wasn't, so it's not even about the act itself. It's the fact that we're doing something that is outside the will of God, right? And so whether we think that, oh, it's not like it's murder or anything, right? So we kind of like to compare ourselves with the worst kind of sin we can think of. But rebellion is rebellion no matter how big or small we think it is, right? And so that's something I struggle with myself. So I don't want anybody to feel like, you know, that I'm judging or, or anything like that. But these are things that we all struggle with is to be obedient with God and to be consistent in our obedience to him, Right? Don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. 
Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death. Right. So it says here, when you live only to satisfy yourself, your own sins, your own sinful nature. Right. So that, that is living in your flesh, basically. Right. Doing what pleases you, what makes you happy. You only live to satisfy what you want, what you think, what you desire. Right. So when you plant those kinds of seeds, right, living to please yourself, you planting those seeds and the tree that comes from that is decay and death. Right. And so when you think about it, when you plant a seed, you don't get a tree the next day. Right. So it takes time for that seed to become a plant and then grow up to be a tree. Right. So it takes years. Right. So we're living to please ourselves year after year after year. You don't care what the Holy Spirit says. You don't care what the word of God says. I'm not going to forgive this person. I'm going to hold on to grudges. I'm not going to give. I'm going to be stingy. I'm all about me. You know, so you're living for years and years. Right. So once that tree starts to grow, now we see sickness. Now we see death. Right. Everybody has to die. Right. I'm not saying, you know, if you live to to please the Lord, you're never going to die. But. It's important to know that some sicknesses and death happen prematurely because of sin, right? So Paul, this is New Testament because we don't owe oh, what Jesus died for me. So we don't have to worry about that. This is New Testament, right? Paul is saying, don't be misled, right? You can't mock God, right? So when God writes verses in scripture for us to, to obey it, right? We're mocking him by saying, I'm going to go to church every Sunday, but I'm not going to obey you. You're mocking God, right? You're making a mockery out of God. Right. And so he's saying, don't be misled. Like, Don't get it twisted. Right. You cannot mock the justice of God. Right. You will always, always, always. The verses in scripture are the truth. You will always harvest what you plant. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and then death. Right. So decay. Right. It's the slow Dying basically is what it is. It's sickness, right? So you will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the spirit, capital S, the Holy Spirit, will harvest everlasting life. So it doesn't mean that we're going to live forever in this planet if we live to please the Holy Spirit, but we have everlasting life. So not only will we have health and healing in this life, but you'll have everlasting life with God. But that requires our obedience to him, right? So the very idea, because I'm saved, I'm a child of God, I don't have to worry about this Bible. No, because you're saved, because we're saved, we must surrender and humble ourselves to be obedient to the word of God. Otherwise, the result of this seed of living to please ourselves is we're harvesting decay and death. So that's the tree that comes from living to please ourselves. But when you're living to please the Lord, the Holy Spirit, right? The, the seed that you're planting there would lead to a tree of everlasting life, right? So a seed grows very slowly, right? So you may not sin today and you get sick tomorrow, right? But so many people are in hospitals today, right? And not everybody, but some, a lot of people are in hospitals today suffering for the seeds of sin that they planted years before, right? So we don't suffer the consequences of our sin today. Like Adam and Eve didn't die right away, Right? But they, but they're suffering decay until they finally died, right? And that's a, and that's true for all of us. We all sin. Believe me, I sin almost every day. I'm repenting of something. But if you don't have the Holy Spirit in you, He won't reveal it to you, and you won't even know to repent, right? And so it's so important that we remember decay and death. It says the penalty for sin. The Bible says is death. 
right? So some of the suffering that we go through, we don't want to hear that is an act of rebellion and, and we, and not even recognizing that we're sinning against God, right? Some people don't know complaining is a sin, right? Because if they did, why do so many people, Christians including, complain, right? And we saw in Old Testament scriptures, whenever the people of Israel, after they left Egypt, whenever they started to complain against Moses, against God, they don't want the manna, all this other stuff, they're complaining the entire time. God was killing them, right? Sending plagues against some of the people that were complaining, so people don't recognize the, you know, in New Testament, it says, you know, do everything without complaining or, or arguing. In Old Testament, we're seeing people dying because of that. Right. So how many people suffer sickness because of their mouth? Right. So the Bible says our mouth was designed to worship God. Right. But mean, many people use their mouth to complain about everything else around them. And that is sinful. And you can be suffering for that. Right. And, and I've met people like that. Christians who complain about everything. Oh, I, this hurt, that hurt. I have migraines, my shoulder hurts. Everything hurts all the times, right? It's not a coincidence that people who complain a lot suffer, right? So a lot of times we think we're complaining because of our suffering and it's actually the opposite. You're suffering because you complain, right? And so God sent a demonic spirit to torment Saul because of his rebellion. And I truly believe that some people today are tormented in their minds because they love to complain all the time. They're not worshiping God, right? They're not honoring him, obeying him, right? Let's just complain about what we don't like about my life. And maybe God will do something about it. No, maybe the circumstances that you're in is a consequence of your rebellion against God and you're complaining constantly, Right. But we don't know that if we're not studying scripture that says that it is sinful to complain. Right. And if you don't know that, you'll suffer the consequences anyway for complaining. Right. And so it's important to remember that, that we need to remain obedient to the word of God. Right. Um, I'm going to finish with. I'm going to finish today's talk with one story that I can. Um, I think I mentioned this before about a patient who came in very anxious about COVID and COVID vaccine and all this other stuff. She's reading about the science behind the vaccine. And so she's getting all this information from Google, which in and of itself is a problem, right? Because before going to God for information, we're going to Google for information. And so it's important to remember that the word of God is complete and final. Like there's nothing missing in the word of God. So even though the Bible doesn't specifically talk about COVID per se, right? But to, to know that because God is sovereign, right? Because the Lord, he's sovereign. He already knew COVID would come and every verse in scripture is already complete, right? God did not miss or forget anything. So we don't need to feel the need to get extra information. It's, there's nothing wrong with being informed, right? But ultimately, Ultimately, the word of God leads to all truth, right? So whether this COVID vaccine is, you know, it's, it, it's a conspiracy against people to control the population, whatever it is that you're thinking. At the end of the day, my life is in the hands of God, right? There's no lab on this planet that can take my life from me before God's time. That's not going to happen, right? So we have to have that, that um, confidence. So we have to have complete confidence 
in our Heavenly Father, complete confidence that His wisdom far supersedes the confidence and the wisdom of this world, right? There's a verse that says that God will take the wisdom of this world to shame, to shame those who think they are wise, right? He's going to take our wisdom is nothing compared to the wisdom of God, right? As high as the heavens are above the earth, so are His ways, so are His thoughts above ours, right? And so we have to think as believers that no matter what information is out there in the news, Google, Facebook, or YouTube, or whatever it is, that God's wisdom is what we need in order to survive, to have um, complete success in accomplishing our mission, our assignment, which is to do the will of God, right? And so we're going to look at just a couple more verses I wanted to take a look at, um, because sometimes when people pray, you know, we have a thing in, in Christianity where God listens to all prayers, right? So why is, why, why am I praying and nothing's happening and I'm not getting healed, you know? And so we're going to look at one reason for that. And I'm not saying every time a prayer is not answered, this is the reason. Sometimes it may, it may not be the right time, right? And so there's many reasons why some prayers don't get answered, but we get frustrated because we're all under the assumption that because I'm praying, God is listening. And that's something that I've heard many times in Christianity and sermons. Um, but we're going to take a look at one example of why God may not be listened to some people. I'm not saying everyone who's sick and prayers are not being answered, but there may be one possibility. And we're going to look at that in Proverbs 1. In the book of Proverbs, this is King Solomon, the wisest man that would ever walk on the face of this earth, um, is writing um, instructions, basically. Um, so Proverbs is, is a book of wisdom, understanding. And so it says in Proverbs, and I'm not going to go into the verse, that the fear of the Lord in verse 7, it says, fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge. Right? So it means that if you don't fear God, you don't have knowledge. Right. So you can go to Google, you can do all kinds of research, read articles, you know, research articles. That's fine. Right. The wisdom of this world is nothing for God. Right. So when God is looking at human beings who are who are making decisions based on human wisdom. Right. You're a fool in his eyes. Right. And so King Solomon, the wisest man, says fear of the Lord is a foundation. So you cannot even begin to have knowledge unless you fear God first. That is a foundation to attaining true knowledge. Right. And so when we're going to Google and doing all this research on the COVID vaccine and the virus and where it came from and who's behind it and all this other stuff, that's fine. But if you don't fear God, you don't. This is nothing. This is not even knowledge. Right. And so what does God do with people like that? Right. So this is Proverbs one, verse seven, I just read. Right. And wisdom. And I love the fact that it's like wisdom is a person. Right. And we read before that the wisdom of God is the cross. Jesus is death, burial and resurrection is the wisdom of God, which looks foolish to man. Right. How can that be wisdom? Right. So for God, the cross salvation. Right. Jesus is death, burial and resurrection. That is the wisdom of God. And I love the fact that here wisdom is described as a person, right? So it says in verse 20, wisdom shouts in the streets. She cries out in the public square. She calls to the crowds along the main street to those gathered in front of the city gate. How long you simpletons, right? Those are the people who are simple, who are, you know, um, don't have knowledge basically. 
Will you insist on being simple-minded? How long will your mockers relish your, mar- your mocking? How long will you fools hate knowledge? Come and listen to my counsel. I will share my heart with you and make you wise. I called you so often, but you wouldn't come. I reached out to you, but you paid no attention. You ignored my advice, right? So when we ignore the advice of God, right, you rejected the correction I offered. So meditate on that, right? So when God says to do something, no, I don't want to, I don't have to tithe. You know, I don't have to forgive this person. God understand it is what it is. We've all been there. We've all done, we've all heard these, you know, things that we say in the Christian community that is nowhere in the Bible, right? God understand it is what it is. We've all been there. We've all done that. It's okay. It's not a big, Jesus died already on the cross. It's fine. Jesus said, I came that you might repent of your sins. He didn't say I came to die so that you can continue sinning. Right. And so when we have that kind of a mentality and then what does God say when we now go to pray? Right. So God is calling us to wisdom. Wisdom is calling us. Right. It says, I called you so often, but you wouldn't come. So wisdom is calling us. I reached out to you, but you paid no attention. Right. So we don't pay attention to what God wants. We just want God to do what we want. Right. So that is the life of a lot of believers. Is I just pray to God to get what I want, but never mind what he wants. Right. So God is telling us, these are the advices I'm giving you. You ignored my advice and rejected the correction I offered. Right. So now you're sick. What are you going to do? You're going to pray. Right. The doctors can't help me. The medication I'm taking is not helping me. Now you're sick. And what does God say in verse 26? This is going to be very painful for some people, but it says, I will laugh when you're in trouble. So maybe God's talking about unbelievers, right? God laughs at unbelievers, right? God doesn't laugh at his own children who are suffering through sickness or financial stress, whatever it is. God will never do that. My God doesn't do that, right? God listens to everyone's prayers, right? And if you, if you're praying to God, I would assume you believe in God, right? So, so if, so if, if God is talking about unbelievers, we don't expect unbelievers to pray because why would you pray to a God you don't believe in? Right. So we assume if somebody's praying to God that they believe that God can actually answer those prayers. Because otherwise, why waste your time praying? If you don't believe in God or you believe in God, but you don't think he can answer your prayers, you wouldn't be wasting your time praying. Right. So praying to God is a demonstration that you have faith in him and that you believe in him, that you're a child of God. Right. So let's take a look at that. It says, so I will laugh when you are in trouble. So who is this you that God is talking about? Who is he talking about? I will mock you when disaster overtakes you, when calamity overtakes you like a storm, when disaster engulfs you like a cyclone and anguish and distress overwhelm you. When they cry for help, I will not answer. Right. This is God talking. Right. You. We still don't know who this you is. Who is he talking to? Who is God talking to? Okay. when they cry for help, I will not answer, though they anxiously search for me, they will not find me for they hated knowledge and chose not to fear the Lord. Okay. They rejected my advice and paid no attention. Therefore, they must eat the bitter fruit of living their own way, choking on their own schemes. 
For simpletons turn away from me to death. Fools are destroyed by their own complacency, right? But all who listen to me will live in peace, untroubled by fear. All who listen to me. Notice he doesn't say all who call themselves Christians and believe in me or go to church every Sunday, right? They listen to me, right? All who listen to me. Okay. So I wanted to take a look at when we said in verse 26, so I will laugh when you are in trouble. Notice here in 28, it says, when they cry for help, I will not answer. Right. So let's hone in on that for one second. So if you're a non-believer, you're not going to cry out to God for help. Right. So in verse 26, when it says, I will laugh when you are in trouble, I will mock you. When disaster overtakes you in 28, it says, when they cry for help, I will not answer though. They anxiously search for me, God, they will not find me. So God is not talking to unbelievers because unbelievers don't do that. Right. So unbelievers, because of their pride and their thinking that they don't need God, they don't go to God when they're anxious. They don't go to God for help. Right. They're not crying out to God. Right. So I believe God is talking to us, his children. Right. The ver these verses are written for the word. The word of God is for people who believe in God. Right. Unbelievers are not going to be reading these verses. So God is not talking about them here. Right. And so he's telling us when we're in trouble and we're crying out to God, God's not answering. Right. When we're seeking for him, you're not going to find me. Why? Because they hated knowledge. Right. And they chose. They made a decision not to fear God. Right. He didn't say because they don't believe in me. Right. We assume if you're praying to God, you're crying out to God. He's talking about you. We're uh, us believers. Right. Believers. We are crying out to him. He's not answering. We're anxiously searching for God. We're not finding him. Why? Because we hate knowledge. And we chose not to fear God. So you can be a child of God, but if you don't fear God. Right. Can you be certain when you pray? When you're, crying, when you're crying out to God that he's actually listening to you. And here he's saying, if you hate knowledge and you don't fear God, you're not going to find me. You're not going to find me. And I'm not going to answer your prayers. Right? So these are very difficult verses to, to swallow as a Christian because we're so used to hearing God listens to all prayers. Right? You just have to pray and have faith and God will hear you. And God says you, ha you have to first love knowledge. Right? Follow his advice. Right. And fear him. But we don't want to hear that. I'm a child of God. I go to church every Sunday. That should be good enough. That's what my pastor says. Just pray and have faith and God will hear you. Fine. But I know for me, when I'm going through a season of disobedience to God, so many things are happening to me. I'm like, wait, Lord, where are you? And I have to go back and repent and say, Lord, forgive me. I was prideful, arrogant, you know, and then things get quiet and peaceful again. Right. So I have peace in my life when I obey God. So that works for me. Maybe it's different for other Christians. But I know for me, for me to remain healthy and I know every time I feel sick and right now I have like a little, you know, sinus thing going on right now, you know, and I know whenever that happens, I know there's something that I need to repent of. And, and the Holy Spirit always reveals it to me. It's never like, oh, I'm not sure what's going on. Right. So when you have a relationship with God, the Holy Spirit will teach you things that nobody can show you but him. Right. So I would I would highly recommend and I would highly, highly um, 
encourage you to live a life of obedience, right? To live a life of submission to God, because sickness is absolutely, in a lot of cases, a tie to sin or rebellion. And a lot of times because of our walk um, in this life, pleasing ourselves, we're totally blinded to the truth, right? We can't, it's, it's gotta be God. Why is he not listening to me? Sometimes we have to come to terms with maybe we're doing something that's not pleasing to him. And we need to um, humble ourselves before God so the Holy Spirit can reveal that to us and have the attitude of submission and surrender and continual repentance, right? Because we're sinning all the times, right? But if you have a heart of repentance, the Holy Spirit will reveal to you, this is the area that you need to work on, right? And I'm being disciplined right now, actually. But, um, but it's good to know that God is paying attention to us and he desires nothing more than for us to have a, an abundant life, right? But we need to surrender to his word. So Heavenly Father, we thank you again for today. We thank you, God, for the revelation of your truth. We ask you, Holy Spirit, to impart on us knowledge, wisdom, and understanding, and to give us a heart of submission, give us a heart of humility towards you, Help us to have joy and peace in obeying you, Lord. Help us to feel to not feel like it's a burden. It's a privilege and an honor that you have given us your word to give us light. Like David said, your word is a light for my feet, right? Your word is a lamp. So we thank you, God, that help us to use your word as our guiding light. Help us to use your word as a lamp for our feet and a guide along this dark, evil, demonic world that we're living in. Your word is the only light that can get us on the right track, on the right path. So we ask you, Holy Spirit, to help us to continue to live out the true call that you have given us, Lord. We pray for anyone and everyone who's listening to this teaching who might be sick right now, Lord. We ask for healing for their bodies. If there's a demonic attack against them, we rebuke that spirit right now in the name of Jesus. We rebuke anxiety. We rebuke fear. We rebuke cancer. We command that those demons to leave these people, to leave God's people. So I pray for peace in the hearts and minds of those who believe you and trust in you, Lord. And we thank you, God, for wisdom. We thank you, God, for your holy word, the guide in this path, Lord. We thank you, God, that you have died on the cross. You sent your son to die on the cross for our salvation. And we thank you for that, Lord. We thank you, Lord. And we ask for divine health and healing over every person listening to this teaching right now. In the name of Jesus. So we thank you for joining today. And I ask that you follow again. Um, in the next talk, we're going to continue on um, basically discovering the truth about sickness and why do some of us suffer um, sicknesses and some of the reasons um, why that healing is not coming as we expect. So we thank you for joining and I ask that you join again next time. So I'll see you next time and have a blessed rest of your day. Are you ready to step into your calling and destroy fear, worry, doubt, and anxiety? In Our Victory, God's Glory, author Pamela Noel describes the stop and do nothing else principle that was used by some of the most powerful people in scripture, including David, Moses, Peter, and Daniel. This You Can't Help Yourself book reveals that success in every area of your life lies in one name. Our Victory, God's Glory, was written to support Haiti's elite medical team, a Haitian-American-owned, not-for-profit organization that provides healthcare services to the poor in Haiti. Proceeds from the sale of this book will help support our efforts. 
The ultimate goal is to build a hospital and provide much needed medical care services currently unavailable to those with limited access to quality health care. Available at Amazon, your local bookstore, or at Trilogy.tv. 